0: Guys, we're in the middle of the pandemic, and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to BetterHelp.com backslash SolvingHealthcare and get 10% off sign-up fees. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm cordial Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Podcast Nation, listen up here, man. I I don't even know where to start except for this has been a long day. <laughs> so uh, today we we found out about further restrictions in Ontario, you know, and a lot of us that have had a bit of a platform have been advocating for some more targeted approaches and um, really using the data to drive our decisions when it comes to schools, when it comes to outdoor gatherings or activities, um, when it comes to reducing the spread at, especially when it comes to essential workers, that was a clear source of, of um, major uh, spread. So I have my lovely colleague, Dr. Tom Sarris, who's, I feel like this is about your fourth show, my friend. What do you think? Is, uh, are we have to know. Yeah. Lost, oh, lost, lost count now. As long Can as you... people
1: don't get tired. <laughs> That's all
0: right. This is my therapy. Oh, my God. And by the way, Phil says you're looking good. Uh, Phil Hazard. Oh. Um, yeah. Hazmat. Hazmat. Hazmat suit. Um, One of my favorite docs. Uh, he's so slick. Um, I always smile when I, when, I, know, I eh? when he comes in the room, he's just so, yeah, it just kind of sneaks in there. Anyway, t- Tom was, uh, reached out to me today actually after the announcements and so I said, we gotta, we gotta voice some stuff right now. And um, so maybe Tom, why don't we start with like, what were your thoughts when you heard the Ford announcements, you know, reducing so outdoor activities, for example, um, What what was going through your mind grapes? So here's what's going through my mind grapes.
1: One of the things that, that I think, a lot, one of the things that I think a lot of people, so let me, let me preface all this by saying, you know, uh, I just got off a week of ICU. Uh, I'm just going to have two, two or three days off. And then I'm, I'm back in the thick of things probably for another three weeks straight. Um so you know uh this is time i'd love to be spending with my kids um but i think there's there's a certain kind of approach that that we have to talk about so number one i'm an icu physician i'm not an epidemiologist i'm not a public health official but i do think that um we see things in the icu that um allow us to to have an approach uh as to an nsa um, I think as to uh, you know our healthcare system and how things uh, unravel. So I don't pretend to be the premier. I don't know the stresses of being a premier and everything that that can hit you. Um, but there's one thing in this. Um, you know we're obviously facing a third wave. That's going to be uh, from the from the from the perspective of an ICU perspective and management of healthcare beds is going to be very, very, very difficult and healthcare resources. That is, uh, unprecedentedly true. And, uh, we're both going to be in the fight. Um, I always like to take a helicopter view of things because I don't think a lot of other things are mentioned. And I think we can, we can, you've dove into that amazingly because I don't think there's stats for that and, and, and it is what it is. Right. I feel a sense of, um, frustration sometimes when I don't hear that being talked about in the mainstream media.
0: What specifically you talking
1: Joblessness. Hmm. The effect of, uh, you know, people talk about the economy and I understand that. Um, but I've had close friends who are devastated by the economy. Um, house prices are going up, yes. Ottawa is a very interesting uh, market, but I think that people's lives have been overturned that doesn't take away anything that you and I see. And, um, you know, pandemics are tough children. Again, uh, data backs this up. It's just not anecdotal experience, but, um, I know people have reached out to you. People have reached out to me, um, saying, you know, my children are at their breaking point. And, you know, the reality is that, uh, you know, I, I think none of us have the the perfect answer to all of this, but, not addressing those issues and not talking about those issues I think is also not right from, from my perspective as a physician, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people that I know with children whose children are legitimately suffering. And I don't think we as adults appreciate the effect that socialization has on the developmental aspect of, of, of children. And that is one thing that I never see. You know, I see epidemiologists talking about whether or not, you know, the R is less than greater than one in children themselves and transmission in children and things like that. But that that doesn't talk about the 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 vital part, right? Of you know, for teens, for example, you know, socialization in some sort of safe manner is very 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 important for them. Yeah, it is. It is truly important for them, you know, Chio, Toronto, sick kids, they wouldn't be putting out statements like they have if they didn't really feel that this was an issue. And we have to be able to talk about those issues, even in the midst of a pandemic, because pandemic, everything in life, you know, we're afraid to use the term trade-offs. We're not, we're not using trade-offs lightly We're talking about side effects. It's like when I'm giving a medication by my physician, there's a trade-off. There's a possibility that something might happen to me, but I make an educated decision. And we're in a really tough situation right now, partly because I don't think collectively as a society, we've actually thought about those those trade-offs well and thought about data-driven things. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: For example, outdoors. So that's the one thing that I think has frustrated me as a physician. What I see is essential workers largely in my ICU and essential workers, unfortunately, who have to come home and, and, and it's a, it's a, they have to breathe, right. They have to Mm -hmm. breathe. And so they give it to other people in their household and then it spreads. And um, that's who I've seen in my ICU, you know? So, I think what bothers me to a certain degree is that we're at this point now and we can, we can dissect it partly because we looked for quick, like we looked for easy solutions to difficult problems. And I think everybody thought they had a right answer. And I don't think people understood how difficult this problem really was. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we open, we openly talked about things that are tough.
0: Can I say something there, Tom? Do you, you know what, the, what where I see a lot of the problem was? Was because the, at least initially, the non-lockdown speak was taboo. You know, I, I think it, it really limited our, our views. Like we, we, we wanted to lock down and look at nothing else except for our COVID numbers. You know, and so talking about how it's affecting our kids, what's doing for mental health, what's doing for excess deaths... You know, that's not that's not kosher right now. And then, more and more, we seemed to have this groupthink. It was like this: you everything had to be dichotomized. Either you were pro lockdown or not. You couldn't look at it. It was there was no invitation for nuance. And it wasn't. And the thing that drove me nuts is, if you took that data driven approach in terms of our uh, where COVID was spreading, it was very clear. Absolutely, from the beginning. Not oh, so. A lot of things were clear. One was the risk factors for sure, like you know, right. diabetes, obesity, hypertension. But where is it going? Long term care, we, and we knew we 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 missed a boat there. Eventually, we dealt with it with vaccines. But the essential work, yeah, thankfully, worker, Thankfully, I mean, it's been it's been a it's been a remarkable game changer, like uh, life life changer. But life then change. you look at the uh, essential worker piece, for example, clear multi generational homes. Racialized communities, high rises, you know, and we weren't, we did nothing until the vaccines to address that. We didn't do anything about it. And then you look at places like, um, you look at places like Toronto, the GTA, Scarborough and all that. They've been in lockdown since what? Uh, November, some form of, no, uh, lockdown. Absolutely. And, and they're still in trouble because we never got to the source deal so with the part, source. Right. Right. But the
1: question you have to ask, we have to ask ourselves is why haven't we dealt with the source, right? I think, again, I'm not an epidemiologist, but when I read epidemiology literature, as far as this pandemic is concerned, what I see over and over and over again is over dispersion of, of, you know, basically, you know, mass outbreaks, where do they happen, manufacturing, meat packing plants you know, people who have to go to work in closed, confined areas for long periods of time, mm-hmm. who then go back to multi-generational households or households that don't have a 3000 square foot, you know, plan, architectural plan around them. Yeah. That is, we all knew that was caused I mean, so many people have, have outlined the data um, and part of it. And I, and I have to, I have to put the media on, on here because you know, we we don't hear, we, we've only just started hearing that. Like, I, I'm not talking about, but we've only just had the media start talking about this in the last couple of months. Absolutely. Not right. even the last couple of months, the last couple of weeks, actually. Okay. And, you know, the problem is a lot of people have been speaking about that. And a lot of epidemiologists have been talking about how things are spreading. I mean, if you look at who's getting sick, there's great graphs to show in Toronto, you know, income, marginalized status, where you live, what postal code you live. I mean, that's, that's clear. It's not the person who's working from home on, uh, on zoom who goes to the groceries and, and, and flips her trunk. Okay. It's just, it's just not, and no offense to that person that that person's, you know, going on instinct, a survival instinct. But the reality is, is that, that that's not where you go for the problem. And what I liken that to is the pandemic theater around cleaning surfaces and hard cleaning and deep cleaning and things like that. Right? Mm-hmm. We know there's been, I mean, how I many I mean, hundreds of papers written on even editorials and just saying, you know what, this thing isn't driven like a gastro. And yes, yeah, everywhere surfaces. you see today, I was today I was in a fantastic business. I'm not going to say their name. Because I had, I, I had, it was for medical care for my, for my, for my son and uh, like a phenomenal business, but you know, had to get, had, had to get his eyes checked basically. Right. And everywhere is kind of this place has been cleaned. It's safe. This place has been cleaned. It's safe. Right. Theater. But that's all theater.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. It makes people feel good, but it's a, it's a, it's an enveloped virus that we know more and more has, you know, people are going to freak out when I say airborne, but you know, we have to aerosol, aerosol, close contact, but it's through the air. Okay. It doesn't mean that I'm going to infect you 50 feet away, you know, with one drop. And and hopefully we can talk about that, but, but that is the problem. It's, it's, it's it's you breathing it in. Okay. And, And we've talked about that a million, a million times. And everywhere I go, there's signs. The other day I was walking around, uh, just because I, I need to do something. I was taking some foot. Pho- I'm a bit of a hobby photographer and I saw everywhere signs in, you know, copper, put copper here, put copper there. Uh, this will disinfect this. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. copper doesn't grow viruses. It was all over. It was on bus stops. And, and the problem is pandemic theater, right? Appeases people's kind of panic or anxiety right. about things, but, but then it it's doesn't a feel like the problem. It's a distraction, but 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 you and I have, look, I've never said this before. And I'm, I don't mind saying this, right. Okay. I've never said this before, but I'm going to say it. And you're probably going to be, you're going to be like, Tom, what are you doing? But I was diagnosed with OCD when I was 10 years old. Okay. I've never come out publicly with that. Okay. But I understand what an anxiety disorder like OCD does to a human brain. So I, I look at this and I, I can dissect this like nobody's business because I've gone through it as an individual. Right. The problem is, is that people are looking for answers. And the problem is is that when you're anxious about something, your brain is hyper vigilant, And then it turns everything into a threat and your risk assessment goes down the tubes. You have no capability of assessing risk because everything slowly, 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 slowly starts making you more. And as a teenager, I felt that makes you more and more scared, makes you more and more scared. So you have to, whatever. Okay. But your ability to assess risk, whether it's getting on a plane, whether it's walking across the street, whether it's doing a public speech, it is vastly, vastly overstated. And the problem with that is you look for simple answers. And this is what's happening a lot in our society right now. We're looking for, is that place, has this place been disinfected? What does not matter if you go to a large grocery store with 2000 people in it and everything is disinfected. The reality is, is if there's 50 people in there breathing, right. That's how it spreads. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have to get away from, we have to understand, sorry, we have to understand how the human mind works. And we also understand how society is working right now. I think there's a lot of very anxious people out there. And, and we're looking, and I don't fault them for this, but we're looking for simple answers. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that we're hyper vigilant as a society right now for everything, and that creates binary arguments. Mm. If you basically say, if I'm suffering from a panic disorder, an anxiety disorder, and I, I walk into a situation, and I think that is a threat to my existence, what do I do in that situation? I fight or flee. Right. Mm -hmm. If you are telling me something that I don't want to hear, that's it. You know, put that on top of social media and you be you lose nuance. Yeah. We had nuance when something wasn't a personal threat. When something becomes a personal threat, when it's about your children's health, which by the way, again, a lot of that was theater, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't about children's health for the most part. And Mm -hmm. and you and I, I mean, look. Sick kids has agreed with that statement, right? I mean, every uh, respectable epidemiologist has agreed with that statement. It's it's about adult health, but we have to be able to speak in those terms so that we know what the trade offs are. Yeah, because we don't have an unlimited amount of resources of money, we don't have an unlimited resources of time. If the incubation period of this was four years. Or if, you know, I was contagious for five months, would we have five month lockdowns? No. So we just have to be, I don't have the answers to everything, but we're not talking in nuance. We're not talking. And I'm not talking about today. Yes. Okay. Lockdowns. Maybe they're there. I'm talking about since the beginning of this, after Mm -hmm. three or four months, we had a lot of data, but we stopped talking. What we started doing was becoming binary. Yeah. And you were shut down by people that shouldn't have shut you. You know what I mean? Like, I, other people started talking about things and we shouldn't have done that. We should have just had a discussion. And I, even today on Twitter, I see scientists and doctors going at it
0: yeah. and it drives me crazy. Yeah. And number one, knowing you, I it might get a little emotional. To think about it, but for you to bring up your, your battle with OCD on a stage like this, you know, you're, you ain't playing, you know, this is you, you know no. what I mean? Like, you know, the gloves are off. So I, I just want to appreciate you. Um, you know, being as, uh, open as you have been.
1: Look, look, Quad, I just want to say this, okay. Cause there's a lot of other people who've suffered with mental illness. You you know, I'm a pretty tough guy, you know, yeah. I've seen a lot. I've, I hopefully I've done a lot. I think I've helped a lot of people, but in my teens, I, 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 I suffered through it. And, um, I understand what people are going through when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to this, because, just picture this for a second as a, as a physician in the intensive care unit, I have OCD during a once in a century pandemic, pandemic.
0: Yeah. and
1: I'm doing extra call. Yeah. And I had no vaccine and I, I, other than a week of getting used to it, I was in every patient's room mm-hmm. doing everything.
0: Intubating, lining, intubating,
1: lining, doing everything. Physical, so,
0: exen- yeah. so
1: if if you, if people out there want to say, walk your lane. I'm walking in that lane. And I'm, and th- this is, this is my lane.
0: It is your motherfucking lane. I'm sorry. No, no, for- it's, it's, it's,
1: it's, no but, but this is my lane. I understand. No. I understand what people are going through and nobody can tell me you don't get it. No, you know that I get it. Yeah. I don't want to get into specifics, but I get it. I'm an ICU physician. I have OCD. I battled with it for years when I was younger. It's never, it never goes away a hundred percent. And I got COVID all over my hands and it, and I've had to use cognitive, my cognitive behavioral assessment to say it's all right. Your mm-hmm. risk is one to three in ten thousand yeah. dying. I told you about the time where, and on top of that, where I where I walked with my daughter, and I told my daughter, I I, I am not making this up. Right, we were we, we were here right outside here, and I said to her, "Daddy's got to go to work. I have like I don't mean this to sound whatever. I have enough money if I don't want to." go to work again. And you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't say that to her obviously like that. But, but what I meant was I have a thing to do. Do you want me to go to work? There is a small chance. Cause we didn't know that about that time that daddy might not come home. I've seen it in Italy. That was early on, you know, April, whatever. And she looked at me, she was 13 at the time. And she said, I want you to go to work. You have a job to do. So I get it. I get when people have to make decisions. I get when teachers have to make decisions. I get when doctors have to make decisions. No. So now let's talk, you know, the gloves are off because
0: let's talk. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. And once again, but thanks for sharing. I I think, um, you know, what what comes to mind too, about like the let's talk, um, you know, we alluded to, uh, you know what is the data showing us? Like even in that first three, four months, there was some stuff that that came out that it sound, seemed to be pretty evident. You know, and one of the things that we we're talking a lot about is this outdoor transmission. And I, I honestly I think there was a a missed opportunity with public health. Like when we talk about people's well being, when we were trying to reduce the risk of, um tr- you know, getting COVID or getting sick from COVID through, you know, not getting you know, when we think of the diabetes and obesity, hypertension, you know, getting outside for your mental health, for your physical activity. What a great thing. Like what a, a great thing. And we know even in the medical literature, the, uh, the, like, honestly, I have yet to still read uh, a, a medical journal stating an, an outdoor outbreak of a resp- like a, of, of Sure, and Everybody talks
1: about the, the garden party at the, at the, and then you see Trump, giving cheek kisses to everybody who was outside. Yeah. like uh,
0: of course, right? I mean, and it, you never say never in medicine. Obviously there's going to be. It's not exceptions. never. Yeah. It,
1: it, and that's the problem with our society right now. It's, it's never right. Yeah. Right. I, t- you know, yeah. I, I, I have heard of this one person. Yes, it happened. But you know, you and I know disease happens all the time, right? Like you, yeah. you can't stamp out heart disease. If we were going to do that, we would close every McDonald's and every hamburger joint. There was here. We would, we would actually ban smoking. And by the way, I know you and I have talked about this. 45,000 people a year in Canada die of smoking. Yeah. Directly smoking related illness. Yeah. But, but we never talk about the ethics of taxing it. We tax it. Yeah. We actually we fund our society. Yeah. We benefit
0: yeah.
1: from people's addiction to tobacco.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In, incidentally, we also benefit from people's addiction to, 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 um, to, to alcohol. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not saying that we have to prohibit these things. I'm just saying, you know, it's very morally incongruous. If I can use that term to mm-hmm. be talking about certain things and not, not having the, the scope. Mm-hmm. Heck, you know, I'm not minimizing COVID. I, I, you and I have had conversations about how impressively horrific this disease can be. Right. But at the same token, we got to have an open conversation about everything, not, yeah. you know, everything.
0: Like it's even. I, I still. Um, so the Quadcast Nation. The, one of the the things I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but I, I pointed it to you. There was a stats can, Government of Canada gov document looking at access deaths in 2020 compared to 2019. So how many more patients died in 2020 compared to 2019, and. I forget the exact number, but there was significantly more excess deaths in 2020. And about half of those were COVID related. The other half uh, were like as a consequence to to whether you want to say COVID or indirect causes, whether it's lockdown or restrictions. The
1: environment. I read that report.
0: Yeah. And it got so like and it literally and even in the report, it says it was disproportionately affecting younger people. And I promise you, in no large media source covered this thing. And to me, I was, mind was blown. I'm like, are you telling me you you don't want to learn from this? You don't want to learn that some of our restrictions, some of the way we've approached things have killed, have led to more deaths in 2020, whether that's delayed cancer surgeries, whether that's suicide attempts, whether that's, um, what do you call it? Uh, Substance abuse overdoses, like how are we not talking about? And this is my problem with the announcements today and, and so forth. My friend is that if you are going to acknowledge that, the measures we're going to take are going to be detrimental to our our, our right. population. What are you going to yep. do to address it? What are you going to do to mitigate it? If your kids, if, if you uh, you know, there's increasing mental illness, why aren't you offering uh, subsidized mental health services? You know, if there's issues with substance abuse, maybe we fund more counseling. Maybe we 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 have some messaging out. You know why don't we like oh, I, you know have some public addresses when it comes to like hey like why if I'm Christine Elliott or Ford today I'd be like if you are struggling here's the line you call, here's the line you call we acknowledge it we see you, okay. But again, As opposed but, to just like, yeah yeah. Oh no no we're gonna lock down harder. No you you know what I'm saying. But you he know said, that's part of the binary. Sorry, go ahead. No, just one more thing about the fourth thing. His words were that 80% of these COVID, uh, the COVID um, cases are coming from 20% of the GTA-like area or whatever. And I'm like, you know that 20% is representing so much. Focus your resources on that 20. You know, closing schools, closing um, a, a kid's park, kids at a park, you're going to close down? When you know it's not a contributor, you know it like, yes, there could be the one, the one in a, you know, rare case or whatever, but is this what's driving it? You're going to pay attention on something like this, which has secondary consequences. I'm sorry. It's just, it's infuriating.
1: The problem is, is that law of diminishing returns. I think that's kind of what you're talking about in the way I, 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 I look at it. Right. The problem, it all started with the unfortunate, Presidency of Donald Trump down south, it created our conversation because we're so close to them into a very binary conversation. If you didn't talk about locking down incredibly hard early on, right, then you were on on side with uh, with the Republican Party in the U.S. and you were on side with the the, the MAGA movement. Okay, that that couldn't be more philosophically detrimental to think about than that. And that's, that is from a, from an educational standpoint, from a, from an intellectual standpoint, that is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly disingenuous because we got pegged into that. Not no, we, but, but anybody who talked about, even if you said, okay, let's lock down 90%, let's Okay. So this is what happens right now. We're at a place where, a lot of the things weren't dealt with. Again, essential workers, postal codes where people are spreading this, not because they're they're at, to blame, they're not because at they have to make a living. Yes. Do people have parties? Yes. Do we see people in in houses having parties? Do I agree with that? No. But that's not the problem, right? It makes us feel good. I read this brilliant article because, and and it makes us feel good because in Western society, we come, our parents came to, my parents came to this country and said, if you put your mind at it, if you work hard enough, everything is in your control. Everything is in your control. You can do it. Right. And so in their eyes, I made a success out of myself. Okay. Hopefully. (laughs) But that is all in my control. Some things are not in our control and people in Western society have a hard time with that right I'm being so so this is what I'm trying to say that The corollary is this when you see when you're when you're faced with all this anxiety and uncertainty around you, you need to put your finger on something as, as a human being. you got to say it's that person across the street it's his kids you're who are blank. playing. It's his kids who are playing in the park throwing a football, right? And then you get the calls to bylaw about that. And that creates, that creates a sense of, okay, I've taken control of the situation. It's that person's fault, Mm -hmm. but it's not that person's fault. Society has been like this in our capitalistic system for eons. Now the rich, have gotten richer to a certain degree okay, we can argue the economists will argue what 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 I'm not an economist okay but we can all see that the way society is okay there are marginalized communities and what we're trying to doing right now is we're trying to blame people's behaviors yes are there some people that are behaving in a way that is that is you know Uh, in a way that, that I, that, that, that I don't agree with. Absolutely. But I, I, I have really, other than the first three or four months, and I was guilty of this, I've really come to understand that people have, people are human beings. People are tired. And, and hopefully we can give them some hope with data, with vaccines and things like that, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But it's not as easy as pointing a finger and so, when we, when we look at outdoors and we start limiting outdoors, irrespective of whether it's so the B117, the B1351, or the P1, I know my stuff. I'm red. <laughs> okay. Okay. The, the issue at, at play is this hasn't become aerosolized Ebola. Yes, there's a little bit more virulence, according to you know, some of the data that I've seen with The Lancet, had a good kind of like review the other day that I read. And so, yes, I understand that. But the basis of it, whether it's 1.5 times more virulent, so that's 50% more virulent or what have you, at the end of the day, you're not going to you're not going to have a pandemic spread because there's 10 kids at a park. What you will have is you really have to think about society too, when you're one year into this, right? And you gotta think it's like the first day when we were in medical school. I remember. Uh, I don't if you remember Ryan Zarenchanski. Mean, yeah, yeah,
0: the I IC, see uh, ICU guy.
1: He, no, no. He's an ICU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was he was our he was a medical school president at the time or student council president in medical school. And I remember the one thing it stuck to it stuck with me what he said to me to us, and he said, it's a marathon, it's not a race. Yeah. And when you're dealing with a pandemic, you have to kind of we're lucky that vaccines came out this quickly. If this was a five-year race, I'd be really worried right now. Hmm. Right. But I'm not worried because I know what's around the corner in eight to 10 weeks. I know what 50 to 60% vaccination does to a society in -hmm. this, in this, in this, because we have, we have proof. My, 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 but my point is it's very, very important to kind of take the marathon approach and to think if I'm preventing five infections, in a day in Ottawa, or in 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 uh, Yellowknife, or in Winnipeg, or in Vancouver, because of these measures, it's a law of diminishing returns in my eyes. Because number one, you know, a lot of those people are going to be publicly shamed outdoors. So what's going to happen is they're going to go inside. Mm-hmm. Do I want them to go inside? Absolutely not. Do I follow public health guidelines? I do. Okay, and I, I've said many times that I, I've been a huge proponent of Ottawa public health. Okay. Mm -hmm. But of course we have some disagreements intellectually on certain minor things, but at the end of the day, I will always feel that no matter who we are as physicians, as, and again, physicians, I don't think should drive the discourse of this at all. I think every part of society should drive the discourse on this. We need to understand the law of diminishing returns. If you have people can not congregate in a place of 50 people, from different households indoors for two hours. I get it. At some point you got to close that down. I get it. Even if it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt business. You know, I'm, I'm happy to dig into my wallet for the next 10 years to help that person out now and raise my taxes. But when you're talking about outdoors, we have to remember there are two spheres in our society. Okay. Like physical dimensions. There's indoors and there's outdoors. The only other physical dimension is space. Right? Mm. And I don't know how to go to space. So Talk to Elon Musk. So so my, but but do you understand what my point? Is? I'm not trying to be no. facetious. Like you're either gonna spend time indoors or you're gonna spend out th- time outdoors. And behaviorally, people aren't gonna spend time indoors for two years. Yeah. So there comes a point where you have to understand trade-offs. And the trade-offs for me is outdoors is a lot safer by magnet, like 10 times at least. Or more than, uh,
0: in my opinion. I, I'm just saying, I'm, yeah. I'm
1: being so conservative right now. It's, yeah. I, I, I have a hard time even saying those words. But it is so much safer. And I understand, yes, if you're kissing and hugging and spending three hours in front of each other outdoors, people are going to say, well, that's going to cause spread. Okay, that's fine. But then educate people be partners with people. Yes. This is what I want to do. I want to be, I want to drive conversation to say, you know what? Come into my backyard. That'd be when he would say, I'm not going to go against anything public health is saying now, but I'm going to say, you know what? Come into my backyard. You know, I put a TV in one of my good friends in the neighborhood during the pandemic. When we were allowed to do this, put a TV in my backyard. I put an outdoor sofa. He sat on one and I sat on the other. We were 10 feet away from each other. Mm -hmm. That gave me enough energy to do another week of ICU. Yeah. I needed that
0: because you know what part of being a human is connection. Absolutely. Interactions. And, and once again, I think we missed the boat when it came to the harm reduction approach, you know, I think you get much more buy-in when you're saying, Hey, this is how you do this safely. If you're going to gather during the holiday, do it outside heat lamps, uh, fires, whatever it might be. Um, you know, like if you are going to watch the Super Bowl, we watched it outside as well. A buddy, a buddy of ours had a nice setup outside and um, it was brilliant, you know, and it was everyone stayed safe and at a distance. Like preach this, you know, you know, as you said, this is a marathon, not not a what is marathon, not a race. Not well, a race. race is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a race is uh, marathon, a marathon. not a race. You know what I'm saying? I I always mix metaphors, so I never trust myself. I never trust myself. You know what I mean? Um, But, like, oh, my God. And But, I mean, this is another issue, too. Like, we've really... I think this has been a media issue, too. Like, just how the messaging and the fear has been so uh, amplified. So we'll talk about vaccine in a second, but I had a good buddy of mine. He texted me. He was a five-year-old. Went to because you know the variants, you know, like everyone's very fearful of the variants, and you know he he he's out in Alberta. Took his uh, kid, took the kid to the park, forgot forgot masks, and thought, you know what, we'll just do this uh, without without masks outside at a park when everyone's distance. And he texted me saying, like, do I have anything to worry about? And I'm like, oh my god, like if you actually are at the point where you think you had something to worry about to text your buddy that probably you haven't talked to in a a few months or almost a year. Like that's a lot of fear. That's a lot of anxiety to be living with. And let me tell you, that's anxiety that gets pushed onto your kids when you're having that level of uh, anxiety that
1: gets pushed onto you. It's anxiety that, 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 that causes burnout. It causes decreased production in your work. It causes decreased GDP. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, uh, this is uh, our silent killer, right?
0: Absolutely. And to think you're bringing that much fear when you're going outside to a playground with your kid, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's not much of a safer activity that you can do, you know That's what I'm saying? That's unfortunate, right? It, 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 it
1: really like it made me so- You can't devise you can't devise a societal structure where people stay indoors for one year. Exactly. It's not
0: Anyways, like it's
1: just, I mean, FaceTime doesn't, doesn't cut it for a year. I mean, I understand now I'm not, I'm not telling anybody to to go outside now and have a 30 person gathering. That is not what I'm saying. I I even feel so disingenuous intellectually to even have to validate what I'm saying to prevent people from, from, from thinking that's what we think just by, 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 by trying to propagate, you know, that, you know, a lot of people say, well, how, why are we talking about this now? Well, that's how, that's what got us here. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Of course. Now, you know, you and I are going to be working our tail ends off. And uh, you know, like, like I said, we walked the walk, we risked our lives for 10 months before we got vaccinated. Okay. So we get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and do you think I want to spend time away from my kids and doing extra shifts all the time? Absolutely not. But I'm going to do it because I have to do it and I have, I have, okay. But at the end of the day, let's, let's kind of look at certain things that will keep us, homogenized as a society there's too much there's too much disagreement right now in society that's not healthy you know what i mean and it's 100%. very binary and and uh, and I'm, I'm worried more about that than the effects of covid after the next two or three months
0: it's a good point because i think even before covid i think um I don't, I don't know if i've had this discussion with you but one of the reasons why i think i really want my kids to go to post-secondary uh even if they, you know, whatever they end up doing yeah, you and know, whatever subject matter is because I, I don't know if we teach enough about critical thinking, like how to evaluate, how to know whether a source that's uh, or like to recognize biases in, in, in reporting in a journal article um, and on the news, why are they framing it the way they're framing it? And so I, I felt like this was a problem even beforehand. And now that we're even being more pushed towards dichotomous thinking, binary thinking, like I, I'm, it's, it's, it's going to be worse. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think that for me as a father, this is one of the. There's a few things that are, are important values for me, but my kids got to be able to, to be able to dissect. They got to be able to think through a problem. They got to see the multiple angles, where are the biases? Because it's tough to navigate life without being having that kind of open mindset, that framework, you know? So I, I am really, you know, I, I am worried about that. You know, I'm worried about that because look, you and I
1: work with, you know, with clients who have addiction issues. Right. And there's so many biases that go into that in the general population, right? When I walk into a situation like that now, from all the experience I've had, I, I can truthfully, honestly say that for the last 10 years, I go into it exactly like I would somebody who was in exactly my privileged position to be in. Okay. If it was a doctor that I was sitting there who didn't have certain, the same health issues or somebody who is really struggling to survive with multiple addiction issues. I spend time. I mean, you know, my style. Okay. I spend time, but the most important thing is I don't judge that person based upon my biases anymore. What the reason why I say anymore is I'm man enough or human enough or whatever you want to call it to admit that, you know, I I always have a learning process, right? If I learned the way Twitter kind of through Twitter discourse right now, I would never be able to put myself or empathize with anybody. Yeah. I understand the people who are scared. I even understand the people who I completely disagree with when it comes to shutting schools down for for a single like for for forever until there's, there's not one case of COVID because I, I understand where their fear comes from. I don't, I don't agree with it. And there are certain situations where I can say, okay, fine. You know, what, what have you anyways, we'll get there, but we have to come to a point in our society where we understand our biases. We try to learn on them and we have to start, we stop having binary conversations because they lead us down this path.
2: Yeah.
1: If we were able to have conversations that were honest and true if media didn't give two two to five minute snippets on something but had an honest and detailed discussion not having two pundits one on one side one on the other like some american cable media and just have them talk over each other right that's what sells that's what gets your attention but that doesn't solve society's problems numbers healthcare. <laughs> yeah but, but but numbers look you know you know I'll I'll tell you something personal here so my wife and I the alarm goes off at 6:50 around every morning my wife li- likes to listen to a radio station and i had to tell her i can't wake up with this every single day i know the stats i get it right But it can't be like the beginning of Star Wars, you know, today in Ottawa, you know, like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, do do, do we not? But but it sells, right? And I'm not saying that people aren't dying and people, we know better than anybody. But that's not the way to communicate. That's not the way leaders communicate. That's not the way people with passion about saving lives communicate fear yes. fear is not a motivator it yeah. is so anybody who has done medicine and has paid attention has realized that people's attention to fear only takes you so far you know i'm very passionate about this as you know I, you know psychology is one of my things that i have a, a i i i'm very passionate about because behavior change doesn't come from fear. You and I have had patients whose both parents have died of lung cancer. Lung cancer,
0: yes. And who smoke
1: two packs a day. Mm -hmm. Early on in my career, I said, what are you doing, guys? Your your parents died of this. And I wasn't dismissive. I wasn't rude. I wasn't, but even as kind of as I was like that, it never registered because I had to get into why they're doing it. I had to help them. I had to understand where are they in the process of change? Are they even interested in change? And that's a process. But fear itself, people tune out. And so if you want to, if you want to talk about why we're here, fear, pe- well, fear, people tune out. And then they feel scared because they don't have any guidance anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: You can't keep you can't keep scaring people all the time. Yeah. You know, and this is where I think this is where I think modeling went wrong. Because I think the modeling here has been actually pretty decent. I think this okay? this time around. Yes, very yeah. good. But, but here, here's the problem with modeling is that there's so many different model, modeling out there in the, last, in the last year that if you actually look at every single one, many times it's been off. And the problem is, is that it's like the boy who cried wolf. And that's, that's unfortunate because there are very smart people in the epidemiology, the modeling world, they're brilliant, their heart's in the right place. Like I don't begrudge any of them. The point is that's not how you make an argument to a society, Mm -hmm. you know, when the, when, when in London, they came out with the the initial models, it scared everybody. It kind of worked for about a month or two, but it didn't come to fruition. Right. To that degree. And then everybody started saying, well, you know, look, what do these scientists know and things like that. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Most of the public hasn't been trained as scientists. We know that there are hypotheses that are debunked. Some of them are 50% true, 60% true, 40% true. But the problem is, is that we understand it. A lot of people in society look at that and you know what they say? They say, well, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And that's the problem. It's not that the modelers are, 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 are disingenuous. No, I, I, I know some of them. I think they're, they, they care. They're obviously very passionate about it's just that, that in, in, in a way that should be part of the decision-making process where sociology, psychology, get together, you know, epidemiologists get together. And then they, we sit down and we say, not me and you, cause I, I just want to do my IC work, but then say, you know what, this is how we, this is how we message this right now. But when, when, a, when, 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 when people go out there and it sounds like you're sitting through a conference, don't tell me you haven't felt like that in the last like six months sometimes. Yep. When, you're, when you're watching, you're watching CTV or CDC and you're looking at somebody talk and you're like, I'm, I'm literally getting CME credits for this. Yeah. People don't tune into that. And it's not because the person is, that person might be the most brilliant person in the world. And I know some who I have a lot of respect for, even the person I'm talking about right now, but at the end of the day, they're not the right communicators. Communication is so important It's so important in public health right now. Like I'm not, not public health in everything that we're doing right now.
0: I mean, even think of our jobs, the greatest people, the greatest docs we look up to have always been great communicators, but this is, this is something that I, 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 once again, I keep saying missing the boat, but imagine if the, the messaging had just had that positive taint on things like guys, you could do this. We could do this together. This is what we're going to do. This is our part. We're going we're gonna, to, our intensivists are going to do the best. Bonnie to, Henry. Yeah, absolutely. We're our, uh, oh, preach. Like, we're going to do our best to, to, to do our part. We're going to be there for our COVID patients. You guys, what well, we need you, we need you to vaccinate. We need you to reduce your social gatherings. We need you to do this is what we need from you. But you know what? We know we could do this. We can do this together. We got yeah. this, guys. We and and, like, and, and imagine that. Imagine to... that message that uh, so let's looking at. Let's shift. Let's respond yeah, to that because people yeah.
1: need people need people need to hear hear this stuff.
0: Guys, it's on you. All you had to do was lock down a stay home a little bit longer, especially you essential workers, even though you need to go to work and you don't have the chance to lock down. And I wonder why lockdown is not working because you're still going to work. You still have to go to work, and you are in an area that spreads the virus quite. Roger, how many? How many essential workers have we seen in our ICUs? It's insane. In the beginning, the PSWs, the nurse, uh, people in long-term care, um, and if it's not directly essential workers, it's an essential worker family member. Absolutely, and and like it's. And I'm telling you, and I, I, I'm going to say this uh, like full disclosure. This is one other thing I, I did recently. So I, full disclosure, third wave, I vastly underappreciated the severity of this wave. So vastly. did I. So did I. And, you know, I, I went on Twitter the other day and I said, I, I'm, I'm going to admit that I, I got this wrong. Like and I'm doing this because I want to be an example to other uh physicians, leaders, whoever, to say that admitting that you're wrong has value. So we can have that open discussion. I wanna learn from my mistakes. Well, that's part you know of I mean? science, right? Absolutely. And 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 so I mean Galileo. he'll be stuck in a house. Exactly. I don't know remember where I was going with this point, but right. um But My bad. No, no, it probably wasn't that valuable anyway. But the key thing, though, to me is, um, you know, that we had signals, we had uh, clear. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I got a lot of things wrong. But um, the one thing we've been saying from early on this thing, I, I could even find you media coverage about the essential worker piece in November you know what I'm saying, and we chose to, to ignore this. Um, but anyway, I, I just I just think it, um, it's just frustrating well, when you were Do- Dr.
1: Dr. Chakrabarti was talking about it. You were talking about it. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there was even some very good articles that were written in some of the mainstream newspapers that I know that um, that you put out. Um, yeah. And uh, and and they were very very well written, and succinct. I mean, I read them and and they made the point very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's gotten to the point now where, where there's over 600 medical students in Ontario that are that are advocating for this right now. Oh right? wow! No, they, that's yeah, yeah. I
0: didn't know that. That's basically that's, that's amazing. But you know, and, and it, when it comes uh, to the messaging too, like instead of like there's a lot of shaming when it, and misinformation when it came to the vaccines. Like I can't believe how we fucked up the vaccine messaging. Like, like, let let me, let me bring, break this down to you as clear as day for people. Okay. In the studies. This this is where I, this is where I like to go. Yeah. In the study, the study participants. Okay. uh, I think it's now 130,000. Correct. 130,000 study participants in these, in the vaccine trials. uh, And uh, 30,000 being 12 to 16 year olds. And one person was hospitalized out of all those people, but you're not going to hear about that. You're going to hear about this efficacy, which is telling you, Hey, yeah, man, AstraZeneca 68% efficacy for mild disease. So people that uh, had sniffles or mild cough or t- symptoms where they weren't needing to go to a hospital for. Okay. But a hundred percent when it came to hospitalizations. Okay. So that- you know what that's like, you know what that's like, what's that? Okay. I come down with
1: rheumatoid arthritis. I can't walk one day, right? Let's say this isn't, a, this is not a true story, but I, I'm, uh, you know, my whole life has changed. Somebody gives me a drug that in 95% of people completely obliterates rheumatoid arthritis. I don't even have a sore joint. When I wake up in the morning, I don't even crack my back. The other 5% of people. Okay their knee kind of hurts, but they can play with their kids. They can go on bike rides. They can, they can, they can, they can, they can can do whatever you're doing right now. God forbid. You understand what I'm trying to say? It's crazy. It literally is crazy. And this is, and this is how it's, this is how it's put on. This is how it's put on, on newspapers. And there's like, we have a breakthrough sore knee. There's a, there's a doctor in Ottawa
0: whose shoulder hurts today. Yeah. His, his left uh, index finger uh, is glowing in the dark. Or, no, but- or, or, or God forbid, you know what? He had two days where he was feeling
1: unwell and had to take Tylenol and had a fever.
0: There's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to and say. It's, it, no, but it's, it's what's opening the news. Correct. That doctor with the pinky problem is opening the news Not the 100% Like literally as close as you can get To 100% on hospitalizations And death
1: And look and we know real life Look we have to prepare people for this Real life data is never as good As you know Whatever but yeah. Even the CDC and I understand you need more time To get perfect numbers and stuff like that But if we've ever had a crystal ball Right mm. take, it, take a look at Israel Take a look at the UK, UK, right? US now, boy. Yeah. So they have a, co- a combination of, you know, maybe 40%, you know, vaccination, at least one person. They're going higher. Canada's in the 22% range. Um, but we're, we're not, we're not at that level yet. And they have a lot more natural immunity. Yeah, a lot more natural immunity natural that they infections. have not going to give them herd immunity. I get it. Stop the letters. It's okay. okay. okay.
0: People. yeah.
1: Okay, okay. But you either get immunity from one of two ways. You either get it or you get a vaccine. Right, and so that's just real phenomenon. I'm not saying that I advocate getting it. I don't. I
0: don't. Isn't it funny that you have to say that though?
1: It's horrible. Isn't is it funny? It's is, horrible. A guy who basically overcomes OCD works and you know risks his life, and now I'm, I'm I have to advocate. I have to contextualize everything with, I don't wear a MAGA hat. You know what? Can, can I? I, don't want, I, I don't, I'm the biggest Biden slash Obama slash you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, like <laughs> proponent there is in the world. And, and here I am kind of like saying like, I, uh, yeah, like, okay, so let's, let's, let's just leave that aside. Okay. Can I just so, add uh,
0: one more thing to this? One of the things though, I, I don't know if I have the gumption for it, but as a, as I think maybe as we get more and more into leadership positions, I wonder one of the, the stances just to not give a shit about this, like, like partisanship, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I recently got uh, linked with a a tweet where somebody was like, you're associated with that person. And I'm like, look, I don't even know who that person is. It's what is in the content of the tweet. Focus on that. I don't want to get caught up in this, you know,
1: like you're responsible for everything that person has ever done in their life or said in
0: their life. Right. Uh, Anyways,
1: you you have the time. Wait a second. You have the time as an ICU physician. Okay. (laughs) to To basically run a Truman show on this person's life or whoever it was. I don't know yeah. who you're talking about, but yeah. you know, you, 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 I mean, come on the guy, I like, think like now we're in the, you know, cancel culture of like everything, right? Like yeah. they're trying to cancel everything you have to say. You don't have the responsibility to back check. Absolutely. Every single person's life and decisions.
0: Yeah, right? no, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes just lead by example and just, not even and ignore the criticism, but, um, but yeah, I think this would have been great, um, to, to really, uh, if the messaging was better, even like, I I saw a great tweet of terms of the AstraZeneca clotting risk. You know what I mean? Like how many, like a lot of females are on the birth control pill right now. And you're looking significantly higher risk than the, than the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, as the data is showing, but like once again, media just attaching to that. And how many messages have you gotten from people about whether well, they should but be taking I, I don't the estrogen? You know, I
1: actually, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I did, um, I, I used to, um, I actually did some extra training in thrombosis with, um, and, and so I ran a clinic with, uh, with the supervisor. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't pretend to be a thrombosis expert, but I, I did two years of it in a clinic once a week, um, Learned a lot about it. um, Thought it was very interesting. And of course, we we all know that there's a lot more risks of thrombosis. I mean, what's the number one risk? Well, I shouldn't say number one. What's the biggest risk right now? Thrombosis is COVID. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you look at it on a percentage basis, one of our, I don't know if people know this, but if you're admitted to hospital and you don't have a very high risk of bleeding, right. With COVID disease, you're on oxygen. You come into hospital, the standard of care in a hospitalized patient that's not in the ICU is full dose anticoagulation. What does that mean? We give you full blood thinners. Yep. Why do we do that? Because studies show that you do better if you have it because people, people actually cause with COVID have thromboses when they come into hospital.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, but, but this is, this is where, you know, this is why I take my car to a mechanic, right? Because I don't understand the ins and outs of it. Right. This is complicated stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's nuanced stuff. It's based on evidence-based, but at the same token, medicine is also an art, and it's difficult to try. That's why when I'm in a seven forty-seven or an Airbus A three hundred and eighty, I don't go to the front of the cockpit and start going, "What are those beeping lights? Can you can you turn that off? It's bugging me." Or what is it? Yeah. Or you might yeah, but, wanna... but there's a lesson in that, right? Yeah. I'm a horrible flyer. I'm a like, honestly. I'm like. When there's turbulence, I, I, I like go, ding, ding, ding. When's the turbulence going to stop? When's the turbulence going to stop? Like <laughs> like the flight attendant knows, right? <laughs> but I need that reassurance. But, but I've never walked into a cockpit. I'd like to, but I know there are rules. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to say that, that, okay, so now going on risk, right, which you, you say. So I think we have to actually really take a look, a really hard look at this, right? Everything that we do, every medication that we have has risk, mm-hmm. right? Like, like all of a sudden, I mean, I mean the, so far they, the MRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna seem like, you know, I hate to jinx it, but they seem like a, you know, like a godsend. Right.
0: Yeah. Almost. But, but,
1: but it's like, okay, if, 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 if that's not time of the year, then you know, person of the year for time, then I don't know what is right. I'll, I'll give it to the to, to MRNA vaccines. That being said, like you said, the AstraZeneca vaccine, from everything that we know, is a phenomenal vaccine. Look what it's done in the UK, right? Yeah. Um, and there is no reason, in my view, not to use it with certain age groups here, in my view. Health Canada has approved it. I trust Health Canada. Mm-hmm. I've seen the data. I've seen the studies. And as far as VIPIT is concerned, or vaccine-induced you know, thrombosis, the reality is, is that it's a very rare event still. Okay. Also, and so, yeah. and so, and so this is, this is what I mean about having a society that, that allows us to talk about trade-offs, right? When I vaccinate myself, you know, I was one of the first, I think 20,000 people in Ontario to get the vaccine. Like, you know, there's a yeah, certain, we early. you know, there's a certain risk, I guess, cause you know, whatever, but you know, now we know even a lot more about it. So now there's almost I'd I have absolutely no hesitation. Okay. But even in emergency use authorizations, the US has and Canada has the same, you know, corollary. I had to sit there and say, okay, okay, what do I know? And what are my risks? Well, I go to the ICU all the time. I'm exposed to COVID. I'm in my 40s. Uh and Here I am. And this gives me this, this gives me that. I happily take the incredibly small risk. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's informed consent. Yeah. Right. It's informed consent. Now getting onto this. Okay. Getting onto this. I think that, and I'm going to harp on this again, every single journalist out there who writes a story with a headline, that's attention grabbing should look at themselves in the mirror and say, how am I contributing to this pandemic. Yeah. How am I making things worse for people? You're not just writing an article informing people. There are very good health reporters out there who do a phenomenal job and don't fear. Mm. But when you put out a story that says a double vaccinated person got COVID, what are you trying to do? Are you, trying to, are, you trying to, are you trying to break Watergate? Do you really feel that special that you have to do that as a human being? Think about how many people you're hurting by that message because that is not an evidence-based or data-driven message. That's an anecdote. It may be true, but when you have 8 billion people in the world and the U.S. is vaccinating 4 million people a day and Canada is vaccinating 300,000 people a day, Per capita, we're now vaccinating, thankfully, 70 to 71% the rate of the U.S. When you're getting that many people vaccinated across the world, and, and it's going to skyrocket in about three months in, around the world, how do you not expect there to be some breakthroughs, right? Like, yeah. that, that's intellectually disingenuous of anybody to look at that and say, wow, so if you're just doing it to get a paycheck, then, then you're hurting people. Now write an article that is balanced, that is fair, and that 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 tells people this is your risk, this is your risk, this is what the you know the the European Medical agencies basically said about AstraZeneca. This is what Health Canada found, mm-hmm. and there are there have been very good reporters in Canada, the U.S., in the European Union who have done that. But there's been a lot of people, and we have been too. We have been too kind. To that yeah you acceptant of that as physicians
0: it's it's like the lo- lack of integrity again I'll, I'll tell you guys this too like i've been censored by i won't say which news network which does it heavily but i've given done interviews or pre-interviews on certain, certain situations and i'm less dramatic or sensationalized than a, a colleague and I'll, they won't air my piece they're like, Oh, here, you know, here, tell us about COVID and and the, how many, how much younger people are dying from COVID uh, with the new variants. And I said, you know, uh, there might be slightly younger from, I'm talking my experience, slightly younger. Yes. Well,
1: there's data, right. And
0: we, we yeah. can talk about that. Let's talk about that after. Yeah. And like slightly younger, but am I seeing significantly younger? Uh, not in my circumstances, I still see the same metabolic profile and, uh, just goes to show we just really need to get our vaccines out there. So not a lick showed up on that network. They were like, you know what happened to me the other day? What's that? I read a sports story.
1: Okay. And it, and it compared, and it was, it was talking about why, how Canadian teams are vaccinated uh, less. Okay. And the writer basically anyways, long story short, I reached out and tried to correct them because their, their stats were, Incredibly wrong with yep. regards to number of people in Canada vaccinated, and uh, and so I said, well, actually, Canada is twice as much as what you have in your story.
0: Crickets. Of course, after it, the first you're one, you're not gonna get love. Crickets. You ain't gonna get love.
1: And I and I looked at the story two days later. Nothing. Yeah. Still there. Still wrong. And you know, I hate being that person to say this, but the the. The problem is, is that I really respect journalism that is balanced, that is, that shows data. And if it, if it shows an opinion, it's an editorial, that's fine. I read a lot on my off time and I enjoy like, I enjoy well-written articles, but if it's just in order to, to, to say a stat without, without any, without any kind of ownership of what you may be doing with that message. I think that is unethical. I think, I think you're truly, and that's when people tune out, Quad that people tune out yeah. and, 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 you know, I'd love to have like a, a platform where I can just talk to people for like once a week or what have you and say, okay, well, like, you know, let's, let's Podcast. discuss these. Yeah, well, exactly.
0: Well, that's what this, is, this is the joy of, of, of these platforms, though, because you get to you, you get to funnel through the nuance. Whereas you get an uh, interview on a network for four minutes, it's hard to explain some of these uh, uh, some of these issues. So, what, what were you, you you mentioned? There's two things I want to be able to catch before we we jump off. Was the variance in schools? Um, you, you you sounded like you wanted to bust out something about the variance.
1: Well, so I mean I, I think you mentioned it with regards to uh, the younger population I think look, at the end of the day uh, our infectivity rate right now is much higher than it's ever been, right and so I think there's we're obviously in a significant uh, health issue in Ontario and you and I and everybody else and God bless you know all all the healthcare workers out there right now who are going to have to go through it. Uh, you know, I'm fine. I don't, you know, whatever, like th- this has been okay with me. Um, but, but there's a lot of people who are really, really, really have really put a lot of their lives on, on the line with a lot of this and and that's taken a mental toll on them. Amen. And, uh, and, and, the respect I have for the people that I, that I work with every day is ridiculous. Never been more ever. Exactly. It's
0: it's incredible.
1: That being said, we have to say that again, we don't live in a binary world. And when we use fear as a messenger, we're going to have diminishing returns in the long run. Look, we have a a very, uh, you know, we have a, a very difficult virus on our hands. When you, when I came into the ICU in May or April, May, we saw 70-year-olds to 79-year-olds, 60- 60 to 69-year-olds, uh, clients, patients, basically, at the end of the day, uh, because really, we didn't have the infectivity that we have now. Of course, we had 30 year I had 30-year-olds. I had 30 a 40, you know, Several 40-year-olds.
2: 40 40 so, yeah.
1: Right? Um, but now, what's different is, you just have to look at the amazing job that vaccines have done. In our, in our long term health care, there's 75,000 roughly people that live in long term care. About a month ago, there were five or six that had a positive test in all of Ontario. Wow. Okay, think about it for a second. Even though we were rising, even right now, there's 20 some, 28 people, 26, I, I don't know, but, but I'm, not, I'm not way off. Think about that for a second. When there's an 11% positivity rate around 10.6% in Ottawa and an eight point something positivity rate across the province or, you know, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. You're telling me that if we had that positivity rate without vaccines, you know what would be happening right now in long-term care? Apocalypse. It would be, it would be, it'd be horrible. Yeah. Okay. And that is what is, that was our savior. And so now. What we see is when we start vaccinating older, our our, our elders and people who are above 60 years old, thankfully, once they get to the two week, three week, four week mark, we see less and less of that population come into our ICU, but we still have a 10.6% positivity rate in Ottawa, even when we're, even when we're testing 3000 people a day, that tells you it's everywhere. I don't know about Mm. you, but like, I start knowing people that have gotten really sick all of a sudden that never happened in the first wave or the second wave for me. Like I'm talking about like, 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 like close friends. Yeah. And so the reason why I'm saying that is it's everywhere. So when we talk about fractions, yes. Do I think that this is more virulent? Yes. But it's not like this virus now all of a sudden said, I'm going to make a sharp left turn. And I'm going to go after 30-year-olds, and I'm going to forget about 60- and 70-year-old patients, yeah. like people, right? What we're seeing is vaccination, a more virulent virus to a degree. Yes, it's different. It, it, it also spreads a lot easier uh, in confined areas. So essential workers, a lot of them are younger. If you work at a restaurant, if you work you know, at a bar, not a bar, but like a, like a restaurant or you know, a sit down bar, or if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're in any congregated setting, then it's going to spread more. You're going to infect more people who are younger and, and fractions are a numerator and a denominator, right? So when your denominator goes up, your numerator is going to go up. And so that's what what I think we're seeing. Plus it's a, a little bit more virulent for sure. So at the end of the day, I guess the message is yes, let's do everything we can to curtail this, but I don't want everybody at the end of this, to be, to, to have anxiety disorders for like five years. yeah, Right. Like if you're 25 years old, like you don't have to walk around thinking you're going to die of COVID. Yeah. That is disingenuous of us as professionals to do that. Right. There's, there's, there's like driving a car is, 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 more de- is, is, more de- is, you know, like, like if you're 20 yeah. years old, driving a car is more deadly. There's yeah. no question. Yeah. Right. And so, So I don't want people to think that yes. Okay. Do we see it? Have I seen a a 31, 32, 33, 34 year old? Yes. But I've also seen people with, you know, with, with like, you know, I've seen people with uh, uh, unfortunate cancers. I've seen people with like, you know, horrible pneumonias who are healthy and lifeguards at like 25 and 26, you know, who didn't have any comorbidities before. I mean, we've all seen this kind of stuff, not saying that they can't get affected, but unless you're completely honest with the public, then everything else that you say afterwards is read through, they listen to you through a different lens, right? So it will always be more dangerous for the older that you get. That's just the way COVID is. That's the way coronaviruses have been the last three that we've seen. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But at the end of the day, yeah, of course, you know, do we do it from a public good? Yes. That's what I want to get out. Right. Right. Do you you want to congregate with 30 people indoors? No, why? Chances are you're not going to die of it. But when you're 25, but you will you will potentially hurt your 60-year-old father yeah, who exactly. has diabetes. Yeah. Or your 60-year-old father who is very healthy. Okay? Exactly. That means we I have seen that too. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I really think It's important to contextualize that message and to say, here we go again, trade-offs, which is, you know, I really do feel that outdoors is our lost kind of bargaining chip with the population. I hate to use that word, but this togetherness that we have to have together in order to kind of like get through this together. Mm -hmm. That's our ticket to say, okay, you know, I get the fact that you're in your 20s. When I was in my 20s, I didn't have a support network. I didn't have... Like we never talk about that. I didn't have three children and a lovely wife and like, like a partner that I can, that I can depend on. Right. My social network has been cultivated for the last 20 years. Right. But when you're 21 and 22 years old, right. We're asking a lot of these people to kind of say, okay, we'll stay in your house all the time and you can't go outside and you can't go to a park and you can't like socialize and you just use FaceTime for two, for a year and a half, perhaps. What I'm trying to say with that is let's have a partnership, use people in that community and say, if you're going to socialize, let's do it like this. We need you together. We're, we're a community. But if you go out there and you say, you're going to die, you can die and you can put, you put pictures on TV of young people, which I know has been done. That bothers me.
2: No.
0: I
1: know, I know it comes from a good place from people that are trying to do it, but but it but it, but it's not effective. We tried that with your brains on, you know, this is your brain this is your brain on drugs. We tried that with you know, with smoking. It doesn't work. No. Right? We have to be a community.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we have to Do I sound crazy when I say we have not, to be a community? No, no, no. I mean, this is what people relate to. This is how you engage them. This is how you create change. Is like you have that community feel. This is how we this is as we said, part of being a human being and why it's so important is is you know this is how you effectively communicate. That's how you effectively reach reach them is by re- really creating that community. Last topic: What are we saying about schools right now?
1: Well, I think look, I mean, I think okay, this is what I will say about schools. I think that <clears throat> I don't I don't want to get into epidemiology and stuff like that because I mean that's 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 for a uh, you know a CME credit. I want to talk about the importance of schools. They, in my opinion, should be the first to open and the last to close, period. Let me say that again. I think they should be the first to open and the last to close. Do I think that when you've got 20% positivity in your community? We don't, but let's say, okay, let's say, whatever, you pick your number, whether it's 10 or 15 or 20. Do I think that again, this is not a binary issue. Do I think that there is a time for online schooling? And okay, you know, I actually think that, yes, there could be. But, huge but, we were talking about taking kids out of school when we had 2% positivities and 3% positivities and 4%. I don't want to get into too much numbers, but to say there was dialogue out there that I thought was wrong in my perspective that suggested that we have to have schools shut down because they were a significant contributor to spread. I don't believe that based on the data that I've seen. Let's make the intellectual argument that they were somewhat of a, a moderate okay, contributor. Talking about our children as vectors is beyond my comprehension. We've relegated psychologically children to being as vectors. And if anybody thinks that they don't internalize that, they haven't, they don't have children or they haven't talked to children for a long time or, but let me, let me, okay, wait, let me, let me be less. Cause I'm, I'm breaking my own rules here because I get passionate about this. I should walk the talk. I, I do believe that children internalize that. I think that education is, is a right that should be taken away, like in-person education, socialization for young children at the last resort. Do I think that Perhaps we're at a last resort in Ontario, perhaps, but we weren't there, in my opinion, on multiple occasions. And I don't think that people recognize the damage. And yes, there's going to be people that, there's going to be children who do very well, right? And they're going to say, well, you know, schools were part of the industrialization of society and so forth. But this is the society we live in right now. We are an industrialized society. We're not a farming community anymore, right? This is the world that children live in right now. I'm I'm talking about a farming community. I'm I'm talking about like 90% of our industries isn't that. So parents go to work. Children socialize in networks that aren't communities like they used to be before. You don't have your neighbors coming in and the children – you know, during the day and kind of, right. Children need socialization. They need networks. They need to grow that way. And so I think it's vitally important. I mean, there's statistics of many, many children in Ottawa and Toronto who have just been, who, who've literally um, dropped out of, uh, of school and have been lost. And the people that are going to be affected by that aren't necessarily the people who are economically well-off or marginalized socially communities,
0: well yo, racialized communities too man right For that's their,
1: that that's that is that is there and that's how you keep a society afloat you need you need glue you need connections right and so and so i understand the predicament we're in right now but i but 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 i really do think that as we go forward we don't move the goalposts with schools i think once teachers are vaccinated i think once we get to a certain level in our community where the, the the viral spread isn't as big that kids go back to school. We are prioritizing other things above children right now and collectively over the last uh, 14 months. And I don't think that kids have a lobby group. I don't think that kids, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, look, we have a, we have a, you know, we have a, a an organization that, that, that represents us every, every, you know, I'm not against that, but they don't have a voice a lot of times.
0: That's a problem. You know what I mean? That's what. That's why everybody I, else does. Yeah. And I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, and I don't know what the magic bullet is when, when COVID is as rampant as it is, you know, my Neither opinion, I. I, I, I would view it as an essential service, essentially saying it's a last to, to close first to open. But you know, if, if, I mean, there's some, there's some recognizable issues. Like if you, if you can't staff your, if you can't staff your school because of so much community spread, that's an issue like straight up. But um, I just think, you know, the, the, as you said, the times where we've decided to close in the past, I just, I couldn't get behind that, you know, and it's just, and because of the science too, in terms of like, it's it's quite apparent that secondary attacks or like kids passing along to down the road to other kids is low. You know what I mean? Sure. And the var- variants that. haven't
1: changed that with with kids as yeah, far as what the, I, I mean. Everyone's gone a little it. bit higher, right? But yeah, but 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 it hasn't disproportionately affected children. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say, right? And
0: and so you know, and I'll say this too, like uh, virtual classes. This is no. not this has not been evaluated. This is uncharted waters people. We are we're, we're on I don't know, I'm going to mix analogies or metaphors again. You're on the starship Voyager doing some <laughs> <laughs> Starship Voyager. Do do you know what I'm saying? Luke Sky Trek um, but um anyways I I mean I think we're on the same page here that you know it, it's just it's the kids have lacked the voice and the it's the data is, is shocking on how schools in my opinion how safe they are and so when things settle down yeah
1: so let's 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 talk about this for a second right let's let's talk let's go into a, a small uncomfortable area okay what okay. is open what what like I, I don't mean to say like Why, why in the past have we prioritized the trade-off of, let's say, let's say it, it, let's say by just opening schools, things go up to a certain degree. What if, what if we we make a world right now where, uh, where another virus comes in two or three years and, uh, we just don't have a vaccine for it. Let's just make this world up. Okay. Okay are we going to shut down schools forever? Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So we have to, we have to play those philosophy games like I did in university. I mean, these were, these were real questions. These aren't, these aren't taboo questions, right? We have to pick what is important to us in society. We got to pick our values and And education is a value. It's sorry, sorry. Education is in my opinion, is one of the top priorities because you don't educate your society. You had a problem ten years down the road. Yeah, you had a huge problem ten years down the road. And yeah, for those people who say, "I don't, I don't yeah. care," what do you mean you don't care? You want your society to you want your society to go you know belly up because
0: there's going to take care know, of you when you're sick. Who's going right. to you, you, you know what I mean? Society's like, function. Yeah. No, I mean to me that. Uh, honestly, like when it comes to the value side, like you, I mean, you and I have had a lot of conversations offline about, you know, when to speak up and when not to speak up. And to me, the kids, the the fact that they've been the forgotten voices in here, I'm like, this is a sword that I'm willing to to jump on. You know what I mean? Like I just, I can't, as a father of three, both of us are father of threes and we've seen, and we're, and we've got resources. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I've seen how it's impacting my kids. I know mm-hmm. I've heard how it's impacted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, I know it's but, impacted. My, yep. You know what I mean? And so for us to just sit on the sideline and just say, hey, okay. I'm not being a parent. Yeah. No. Like you know what? sometimes I'm,
1: it's I'm a i I'm I'm, But I'm a human being. I'm a parent. And I will make no excuses for being the president of the lobby group for my children. Yeah. And I don't mean that I don't, I don't care about other people. Of course I care deeply. You know, my, you know, my ethics, but you know, we, we have to take children's consideration as we move forward. I, you know, I have a lot of respect for public health here in Ottawa. I really do. You know that I've, I've been very honest with you about that. And I, and, and, and people are really trying hard, but as a society, right. We're too easily, too easy at the switch to say kids are vectors, shut it all down right away. Mm-hmm. We don't recognize what that, what that causes, right. right? Like there are trade-offs when you make these decisions and right now you can make an argument fine, but let me tell you something. When the goal posts are changed four months from now, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be vocal if my kids aren't back at school and there's 70% vaccination. And, and, you know, we can't look, there's been the influenza in like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not equating influenza to COVID. That would be ridiculous. But what I'm trying to say is viral spread has happened through schools, daycares. I remember when I was working one of my first, in my sixth or seventh, when I had, when I went when all our kids were in daycare at one time, I remember somebody coming up to me and saying, you got to get your immune system checked. And I was like, why? They're like, you have a cold every two weeks. No, man, it's like daycare for Jones. Yeah. Right. Right. But I, th- I oh, so what are you going to, you're going to shut down daycare forever, shut down schools forever. Like I guess we have to talk about this. We have to be okay. Like we can't, I I've seen some things on Twitter until there is no infections over zero. You cannot have kids in school. Yeah. And I mean, and I, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, well, you know, I, I don't subscribe to the, the COVID zero philosophy. I just don't think it's attain, attainable. Um, I respect the people who think that, that it does, because again, I don't feel like I, I have to rise to the occasion to listen to that side too. And I have listened to it, but I respectfully disagree and that's okay. And I'll have a discussion uh, when, it's, when it's okay and safe. I'll even invite them over to my backyard and have a discussion and let's see if they can change my mind on that. And that's fine, but that's what science is about and that's what public discourse is about. Amen. We have to get there as a community.
0: Amen. Listen, Wildcast Nation is where we're going to jump off. This is one of the most therapeutic conversations I've had in a long time, Dr. Saris. After a day, well, more than a day, several days of feeling yucky, for lack of a better word, of how we've been approaching things. And, um, you know, I'm, and it's hard too. like, we're we're about, you and I are both going into the next three to four weeks of ugliness, you know, of yeah. what we're going to be dealing with on the front lines. Uh, but the response and how it affects so many others is probably what's going to keep me up at night, as opposed to going into work. Cause I'm going to speak for you. We can handle what's what's coming next. Like we will handle it and we'll, we'll get through it. Well, we need, we need leaders
1: in the ICU community to be strong for our patients and our society. Understand that we're going to go through a very rough time in the next month, Yeah, but I will be there. I will hold people's hand. I will do my darnest to, to to help them through this, but I also recognize there's a lot of pain in other parts of society right now, and mm-hmm. I've seen lots of my friends uh, really hurting in other ways that that aren't uh, that aren't um, um, uh, don't have that don't have that lens on it right now. But as an ICU physician, my job is to go in there, is to help people, and I'm mentally strong. I'm there. Um, and noth- nothing's going to stop me from taking care of them um, because th- that's what we need right now.
0: That's what we need. They, need, they so. need
1: us to be strong. And sometimes people say to me, sometimes they, they, see, they see you and they, people have said to me, they're like, oh, wow, you know, he's really positive. And I said, well, wh- what do you want an ICU doctor to be
0: when you come in there? <laughs> you right? Know, you want, to, you want the them to thing. be it's completely like, broken? Like, you want to be like... You know, like, yeah, I, I
1: just, I, 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 I respect it because I've been there too. Right. Like I, I've had rough months where I, where I felt really, you know, whatever, but you know, I've talked to my wife about this. I've talked to my friends about this and I've said from day one, this is going to be a hard stretch if you're going to, and if I have a rough time, somebody's going to need to step up for me. If somebody else has a rough time, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling strong, but I have to be positive. Right. Yeah. I have to try to be, I'm not being, I, I'm not, I don't have my blinders on, but when I go to work, I'm like, okay, do I, I mean, I, I hope I wish I had no ICU patients right now. Yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. need the, you know, the, the intellectual, whatever that, 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 but I'm an ICU physician. I've got to go in there and I've got to do my, my thing. It's like, if you're at the, sh- at, the at the, at the front of the ship in the storm, It gets stormy. I don't want somebody panicking.
0: No. <laughs> I mean exactly. Right? You want you, you want your leaders, you want your physicians, you want your all your care team to be sound of mind and, and and not panicking. Amen, brother. Listen, thank you so much. Thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for sharing. And I I don't know. I I think I don't know this for a fact, but I know these conversations not only help others because it, it recognizes a struggle, but there are people that will listen. I wouldn't be doing this if I don't think people aren't listening. And hopefully it will have some impact in our in our response, because, like I said, someone needs to be advocating for those that can't advocate for themselves. So thank you. Be strong,
1: everybody. We'll We'll get through this together. Yeah,
0: we're going to get through this. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys.